Hi, I'm April Adams Pertwee. I'm your host of the Inside Story podcast. I've been telling people stories my entire adult life as a broadcast journalist, video producer, and digital storyteller. These days, you can find me at Light Beamers, where I'm building a community of women who are ready to step into their brave by sharing their story with the world. On the Inside Story podcast, I'm bringing you some of the best stories I'm discovering from both the women inside of my community, as well as from around the streets of the internet. Plus, I'm digging deep to share some of my own stories with you along the way. My hope is that these stories will help encourage you to examine your own story so that you can share it with other people. I have a motto at Light Beamers. When we share our stories, we shine a light. So with that in mind, let's get down to business today and share the light found in this episode. Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome to the Inside Story podcast. I'm your host, April Adams Pertwee. And I am curious if about this time of year, uh, you know, beginning of a new year, you have set a few resolutions or set a few new goals. And if, um, if one of them might be taking a look at how much you consume alcohol. Oh yeah. We're going to talk about that today. Um, I have with me, my friend, my guest, Holly Crevo, who is the amazing podcast host of the Soberish Uprising. And we're going to talk today about being sober-ish. What is that ISH really all about? Soberish. Holly has been on her own journey of exploring her relationship with alcohol over the last several years. She is a certified professional coach. So she brings a lot of um, discernment into asking these really good questions first of herself and now with her clients, mm -hmm. really helping people discover what is our relationship with alcohol um, behind the scenes. Holly and I have had many conversations about this as over the last several years, I myself have began to ask a lot of questions about what is my own relationship with alcohol, self-professed wine lover. I really do love wine, love to have a glass of wine with dinner. I mean, it really got to be uh, something that I wanted to examine, especially as you all know, I've talked so much about this on the podcast, my lovely enter entering of uh, menopause, menopause. Mm -hmm. and so examining my alcohol intake has been a really important part of my journey of navigating menopause with all the grace and ease that I want to, I want to navigate menopause with. So I am really, I've really been looking forward to this mm -hmm. discussion for a long time because Holly and I have been having it privately behind the scenes. <laughs> so I'm really, really happy to have you finally on the Inside Story podcast um, to discuss this topic and it, it, it really a great detail. Thank you, April. I am so excited to be here. I love your podcast. I love what you do in this world and I appreciate you helping spread this soberish message. Yeah. Well, a big part of it has been like you really learning to tell your own story around your own soberish journey. Yeah. Um, and so I think we'll start there with yeah. your own story uh, just so that people understand. And then I'm sure you'll, you'll share more about your idea of what soberish really is, yeah. but you know, what did it look like for you to begin to ask your own questions, mm -hmm. you know, to, to take, to turn coach on yourself mm -hmm and begin to ask questions around your relationship with alcohol. What did your relationship with alcohol look like at the time? Yeah, no, thank you. Um, so, you know, I was somebody who um, every January, there was some drinking related goal 
or <laughs> not drinking goal, right? Some right, type right. of it's like, just like a lot of other people right now. This, yeah. This is the year I'm going to like do X, Y, Z. And like, it never worked for me. Right. Um, you know, on paper, I didn't not have a, you know, drinking, I'm using quotes here problem. Um, I didn't think I wasn't getting DUIs. You know, I was outwardly really successful, but there was a lot of moments that I, it was just getting to be where it was a constant thing in my life, right? It was a couple glass, you know, one glass of wine, but if you open up a bottle, you might as well have two, you know, Monday night, Tuesday night, maybe Wednesday, I don't drink, but Thursdays start to the weekend, brunch, happy hour. And it was just like, it was a constant, it was who I was, right? There was happy mm -hmm. hours, my social setting. But again, I was waking up, doing well in work, getting my certification, you know, we moved overseas. So like, I wasn't not, I didn't look like uh, you know, quote alcoholic. And that's still right. not something I identify as for myself. Um, but you talk about that question I was answering. It was like, I always had this like voice being like, this isn't right for you. Like, this is too much. Like, you know, waking up at two in the morning, heart racing, beating myself up till four in the morning sleeping for a couple hours, right. Not showing up for my workout, being hazy during my day. It was just this like feeling of like, you deserve better. Like you just deserve better. And so, you know, and again, anybody in my social circle would not be, they'd be like, yeah, Holly's always going to be like, I'm not going to drink till this day, or I'm going to give it two weeks. Like I was always trying something. <laughs> and then it was, you know, it was, it kind of came to a head. It was, we were in round top Texas with a group of girlfriends and it was September of 2021. You know, nothing got out of control, but it was, you know, brunch and it was drinks and pre-drinks and cocktails and you know, I just remember sitting there and it was, I was having a great time, but I remember pouring a glass of wine, not wanting that glass of wine, but still pouring it because everybody was, you know, it's like one in the morning we're at our hotel. And it was like, I just heard so clearly, like, this just can't be who you are. Mm -hmm. Like, this just can't be it anymore. Like, what are you, is like my intuition, my whatever inside me just like shook me and was like, what are you doing? Like, mm -hmm. stop. And I think that's really the start of my soberish journey is that piece of like, this just isn't who you are. It can't be who you are anymore. Yeah. I mean, I love that you noted and pointed out that you don't really identify as an alcoholic, mm -hmm. that you weren't really like your typical uh, candidate, if you will, mm -hmm. for someone yeah. who needed to go to AA or needed yeah. to enter treatment. Um, and I, it, it, you know, like as you talk with people and you're interviewing now lots of people mm -hmm. on your own podcast, so you're having these discussions with more people besides just yourself now. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you find that a lot of people fall into that category? I, the reason I'm asking is because I think for me, and I've told you this, that's mm -hmm. always something that I've, I've related to your story over mm -hmm. is I definitely am. I mean, I, 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 and I see alcoholism and, mm -hmm. um, that's not something I would say I'm, I'm an alcoholic yeah. at all, yeah. but it was just more of like, man, I mean, do I really need a glass of wine every night? You know, mm -hmm. um, if I'm going to sit and have dinner, do I have to have a glass of wine with every dinner? Yeah. Um, and just started questioning. So as you're talking with people, is that where a lot of people are landing is they're not falling down drunk. They're not mm -hmm. causing problems with their family or their job. They're, you know, they're very high functioning. They're probably just having too many drinks in a week and again, begin questioning their own relationship. Is that yeah. pretty common? Are you finding? It's really common. And I, I would appreciate think you it is. talking about that. Cause I think that we have, there's such a stigma around alcohol use, right? So we're right. like, 
okay, well, I'm not like getting DUIs and like drinking before work. And you're like, but that's like a really low bar for like a quality of life. Right. So like, right. it's like, like, if that's the standard we're trying to stay right. above, so like, like it's well, pretty I'm not easy. That, so I'm fine. It's like, yeah, but if I'm drinking eight, 10 drinks a week and it's impacting my mental health, my physical health, my spiritual health, somewhat my relationships, I didn't even know. Right. If it is, then like, that's a problem, right? Yeah. I don't, I may not have a, I may not be an alcoholic, but I may have a problematic relationship with alcohol. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of, uh, I mean, I've had one woman, she's phenomenal. She's doing so much. She's, you know, had like, I think was arrested four times, had multiple DUIs, very strict AA believer, been sober for 10 years. And she's the only one I've had that has been that extreme, but everybody else is like, I didn't technically have a problem. Yeah. And it traps yeah. us. Right. Cause you're like, well, I don't have a problem, but I do have a problem. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and, uh- Again, you and I have talked about this book, but you know, I read this book um, called Quit Like a Woman, which mm-hmm. I know you have read as well, which by the way, audience members, that's oh, a fabulous book, yeah. um, Quit Like a Woman. And it, what I discovered in that book was probably the thing that really got me to look at my mm-hmm. own alcohol consumption uh, was the pervasive way our culture celebrates the use of alcohol, um, Mm -hmm. in a societal setting, right? Like for social gatherings, like you mentioned, like, oh, it's Thursday, it's happy hour. Oh, Mm -hmm. it's a gathering with girlfriends. Oh, it's, we're on a trip to the beach or, oh, we're celebrating a graduation. Oh, it's someone's birthday. Oh, it's Sunday. (laughs) I mean, like it just comes down to like, Hey, I got through Monday, you know, five o'clock somewhere. Right. Right. And so it is very pervasive. Mm -hmm. And I think intellectually, I would have I would have said before, well, sure, it's pervasive. But when I really read that book, I really began to look underneath mm-hmm. the hood of it all. And I began to notice where alcohol was showing up in my own sphere mm-hmm. of influence, not only in my own life, but in my sphere of influence. Um, I mean, I'm a Presbyterian, right? Like I can laugh about this because Presbyterians you know, kind of known for that. But anyway, I, you know, we go to Bible study or we go to something in our church and we have wine, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's like, that's how pervasive it gets mm-hmm. to be, right? It's like, it doesn't even, it's it, even the religious cultures are not immune. And of course, yeah. Jesus drank wine in the Bible, but I'm just saying it is everywhere. Oh. So of course we don't think we have a problem. Yes. yes. And thank you for pointing out. And like, so if you're listening and you may like, it makes sense. You do like it's right. everywhere. It's a billion dollar industry. There's mommy wine culture. I was at a Christmas market. I, I would have hundreds of thousands of dollars in my bank account. If I had a dollar for every, um, t-shirt towel, like yeah. mom, you know, and it's marketed to us. It's how we're supposed to do mommy so like, juice, right? Mommy juice, like oh, happy. So it makes sense that it doesn't make it right. But like kind of showing yourself some kindness of like, but we're taught that. And there's like, you know, quote, medical studies that say you need a glass of wine a day, but those are sponsored by, you know, so there's all these things that like, it's like, it makes sense. Like to your point is that we're like, oh, I don't have a problem. Cause that's like what everybody's doing. It's what everyone else is doing. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. And it makes it just really easy to fall prey. Mm-hmm. Like you said, the trap, it's a mm-hmm. trap. So what is, what is, what are you like for you? You mm-hmm. heard that voice, right? Yeah. Like this just cannot be it. When you're talking with other people who mm-hmm. are beginning to explore their own relationship with alcohol, what mm-hmm. is the tripping up point for them? Like, what is the light switch sound like for them? I know um, it's different for everybody, yeah, but yeah. just like, you know, share a few. 
I think it's a lot of like, just that inner knowing that inner voice. That's like, maybe this isn't working for you. Like that's, that's a consistent thing of, I don't think this is like working for me anymore. Or I have a glass of wine and the next day I always have a headache, even if it's one glass of wine, like what am I doing? So there's sometimes the physical, but there's sometimes this inner peace or this inner knowing of like, this just isn't who I want to be anymore. Yeah. And again, a lot of them were like, you know, I've had some that have had like autoimmune things that like, you know, did it or post, you know, some people quit for having babies and didn't go back, but it really is that like, I just knew I didn't want to be doing that much anymore. Mm -hmm. And then what stops them from doing that is like, it has to be forever. Yeah. (laughs) Right. So there enters the I S H ish sober ish. So would you explain in your, in this is your term that you yeah, yeah. really kind of coined, um, soberish journey, um, mm-hmm. your soberish uprising again mm-hmm. is a big part of your, of, of your brand. What is sober ish? Mm. It's such a good question. And it's, it's one that I love that you say it's my definition, right? Cause everybody's definition is so different. That's why it's important for you to define it on your own, but it's like, for me, soberish is choosing me over booze. Mm-hmm. that's what soberish is. Soberish is also, you know, living with intention and freedom, um, and making choices based off of that. And 9.9 out of 10, that's not alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, it's choosing me over alcohol. So what does it look like today when you do mm-hmm. choose to have a mm-hmm. glass of wine or drink? Yeah. It's really interesting. Cause I found that I don't like to drink at the times I thought I would like to drink. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not really like, there's, you know, like a wedding doesn't really a nice night out for dinner. Doesn't really like trigger it. It's like, I like a slow cooked meal at home, like with a nice bottle or not bottle, nice glass of wine while I'm making like dinner or we're playing games. Like I like the quietness. I've noticed if I'm really overstimulated, that is not a time for me to want to drink. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have a guideline on when that is, but I really yeah. do like a check-in of like, why do I want this drink? What will the impact of this drink be? Mm-hmm. And kind of looking like, is it five? Okay. I can have a drink now. And then I can have a glass of water, a couple glasses of water and I'll feel totally fine by the end of the night. Um, I shared, I do the, I shared yesterday, I think in a post, you know, we went to this like holiday ball gala, didn't really know a lot of people dressed up tons of wine, really loud. And I just noticed I was like getting pretty kind of anxious, right? It was just a lot, totally sober. And so I sat down and it's funny, I'd made the decision not to have a glass of wine. I sat down, I was like looking around I'm like, well, I made it like an hour and a half of cocktail hours. So like, maybe <laughs> one won't hurt me. Everybody else is like on their fourth. Right. And it was so funny. I like had a sip and I was like, hmm, this just doesn't feel right. Like it doesn't feel right to drink out of like anxiety out of like, why the heck not? Like it didn't feel, I wasn't going to enjoy it. And so I just it wasn't the like, right reason. It wasn't the right reason. So I just like passed it off. Like I was just like, no. And it was, you know, and I'm almost glad I had that opportunity. Right. Cause I mm-hmm. didn't spend the next 30 minutes thinking about it. Yeah. Um, so I don't have a tried or true, but it is really like checking in of like, do you want this drink? Cause you've had a long week you're on your period and you're annoyed with somebody like, that's not a great reason. Yeah. <laughs> it's not going to help. <laughs> right. So when, like when you do make, cause you said like 99.9% mm-hmm. of the time, pretty much your mm-hmm. choice is you, choosing you over how alcohol yeah. that, um, you know, your soberest journey, as I know is, is not one 
thousand percent alcohol free. You, you, you will choose every Mm -hmm. once in a while, like Mm -hmm. super every once in a while. But when you do choose, what is that choice saying? Like what is going through your head Mm -hmm. when you're like, okay, yeah, I'm going to have this glass of wine or this drink or whatever it is. Yeah. It's almost hundred percent, a nice glass of red wine. Cause you cannot find a good substitute for red wine. There's good substitutes for all sorts of things. So I think that's one, right. It's um, usually a moment of connection. Like my wife and I are having a nice night with a patio and mm-hmm. it is like, I'm going to enjoy this just like I would a brownie, just like yeah. I would enjoy maybe queso. Like I'm going to sit, I'm going to enjoy it just like I would a meal. And then that is going to be that right. So that choice is very of freedom it's of one. It's like I said, it's like, just if I was going to go out and order something that I typically wouldn't. Um, and it feels just really nice. Like it's enjoyable. It's, Mm -hmm. it's a very conscious high energy decision. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think when I look back on my past two years, I think there's only probably two days that I've regretted my drinks. And both those times I had two drinks. Mm. One was, um, like the passing of my dad, I was out of town. Katie was out of town. We both came back. So I had a couple drinks and that just did not feel the whole thing. You know, I'm going to give myself a pass. Cause that was just a whole weird yeah. thing. Grief, grief. grief yeah. Right. And it yeah. was just like, I was anyways. Um, but I felt terror. I did not feel great about it. And then I, one time we had friends over and I just had like a couple glasses of wine and it just felt careless. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. It just felt kind of like you like were you just, didn't really think about it. I didn't think about it. It was like enjoyable and it wasn't nothing bad happened, but I was like, that's interesting. Like I didn't feel good about myself that next day. Um, so four out of the past, you know, two and a half years, I, or two years, three months feels, feels pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I love that you, this is something that you do. I see you post these on social media are these monthly scorecards. Mm-hmm. Uh, will you walk us through the scorecard and just kind of talk through how you use a scorecard yeah. to track your journey? Uh, because I think that's part of um, what your message that I always hear you sharing mm-hmm. is around being soberish and having your own soberish journey is it is about um, each day is a day and you're going to make decisions day by day on like, like you just shared with us, whether it's how you feel or what, if you're making an an intentional choice, or are you just being reckless and careless and sometimes making a choice to have a drink um, and then regretting it later? Um, Your scorecard is allowing you to kind of track that so that you can look back and say, oh, in the last two years, I've had four drinks that I really probably miscalculated. Like I I probably could have not had those and I would have been better off. Right. So tell us about your scorecard. I love it. I love them. I'm going to use that. I like that. I miscalculated. Whoops. (laughs) (laughs) My math got a little out of, I'm not great at math. So I will share, this is like so many, I love this calendar. So this is my little like tracking calendar. Okay. So it's just so a I, month and a glance calendar. It's just a month and a glass, right? It's a month. I track like my September 13th was when I start my like sober year. So it starts where I'm okay. at for that. I also track like the current streak I'm on of not drinking. And I've also started to track my period just to see like how that impacts mm. all of this as well. Yeah. Right. right. So, like, it's see, all like, yeah, hormone. Well, and again, yeah. how I began to pay attention to my own drinking was when mm-hmm. I began to enter a perimenopause, whatever they call it, but right. Like things were really changing hormonally Mm -hmm. for me. So that makes a lot of sense that you're tracking your period to see what's going on inside the body that's triggering emotions or thoughts. 
Yeah. Absolutely. Cause there's those days that I'm like, Oh, I really want to drink, but like, I'm like, Oh, or am I, maybe I do, but maybe I'm also tired or maybe I need to go eat a, something healthy or snack, you know? So, yeah. um, I love the tracking cause it's fun for me just to like, see where I've gone, where I'm at and makes it like a little fun. And so I started these report cards just to like, look at the past month and look at it and be like, wow, like I had that one drink and it was with, you know, my family after a really fun day of getting the girls ready for homecoming. Like it was just a great day with family. And so that felt really good. Right. And so I, track that. I track the regrets, right? Where are my regrets? Cause that was a big piece of my drinking was like the regrets I would have from small regrets to big. And that's just, I never want to feel another alcohol induced regret for the rest of my life. Yeah. Yeah. I may have regrets and that's okay, but not one that has created because I drank too much. Like that's mm. just not a non-negotiable for me. Um, I track the streaks broke the streaks either on or broken and just to kind of see where I was at. And then like, I give myself a grade. Um, and so, and you were so cute. You're like, I think it could be an A plus. And I couldn't, I think that A, I think I, I don't know what it was. I couldn't give myself the plus. I think it, November, I felt very, there were a lot of moments I wanted to have a drink, which mm -hmm. I guess was good that I didn't, but I was like curious, could there be things I could have done better to not want that? Like maybe I wasn't getting enough rest. Maybe I wasn't working out. Maybe I wasn't feeling my body, all those things that helped me stay strong and not wanting to drink. So I was curious that, but I think the soberish report cards are just, it's a fun way to share where you're at. It's a good thing for me to look back on and say, Oh yeah, like, that's really cool. Like we had Thanksgiving and a birthday and company in town and a holiday. Like there was a lot that went on and I enjoyed them and I was sober. Yeah. You went through the whole month of yeah. a month of all of that plus Thanksgiving, and you did not have any drinks. Mm -hmm. And on your report card, you said zero regrets. Mm -hmm. And then you gave yourself an A and I'm like, uh, no, that's an A plus. Yeah. But you know, but I love the fact that you do mention the fact that, well, the reason it wasn't a plus to you was more what we don't mm -hmm. see on the report card, yeah. Yeah. which was the battle you were experiencing mm -hmm. of how you felt. Right. And I was just sitting here thinking when you were saying that, because I, you know, I do know that you, you, you have this coaching, you're, you're a coach or you have mm -hmm. a, you are, you, you are a coach, you have a coaching background. You have a lot of tools in your tool belt as yeah. a coach. And what coaches do is help one really kind of dig, dig a little deeper into the emotions, ask mm -hmm. better questions about why, you know, what would this look like if you did this? What would it look like if you did that? Right. Just asking really introspective questions to get, um, the one being coached to examine a little bit deeper. And so I love that you didn't give yourself a plus because mm -hmm. that's what, you know, a good coach is going to do is you're going to kind of look and go, yeah, but what was really going on? I was mm -hmm. like, well, I was really kind of still grumpy or whatever, you know, yeah. still couldn't have just gone through the holiday season and the, and the wedding and the thing right. with just pure joy. There was still this thing that mm -hmm. was kind of dragging me down that I had to battle. And I, and I think that that's really you know, kudos to you to, mm -hmm. to, for just admitting that, right? Like, mm -hmm. I think that's such a big part of this conversation that I am starting to see a yeah. lot more people yeah. having. And I don't know if it's because I myself have been examining my own um, journey with alcohol, definitely have dramatically reduced how much mm -hmm. I drink. Mm -hmm. um, you know, definitely, I was definitely, you know, an eight day, eight, eight drinks a week person yeah. for sure. Cause I was drink having a glass of wine every night with dinner. Well, those seven days in the week and surely one of those nights I would have two. So, um, now that is not the case. Yeah. I'm definitely, you know, I, I'm not, 
um, having that many drinks anymore. And I have, you know, definitely benefited mm-hmm. in seeing the changes yeah. in my body and it just feels really, really good. So of course I want to keep going. Um, but I think it, because I've been hyper aware of that, I'm starting to see and hear more people on the internet and my friends mm-hmm. and my sphere of influence, people talking about it. And I'm just, I just think it's really good that mm-hmm. people are willing to share their story around this. Right. Yes. And this is a, of course, some yeah. of the work that you've been working yeah. on this past year is, you know, you came through our speakeasy mm-hmm. and you've been working on putting this story together. So you can yeah. like literally go give keynotes about mm-hmm. this, which that's so brave, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. It's so Thank brave you. for, for women to come forward and say, this is no longer working for me. And even though Mm. we have the mommy juice culture, we have the happy hour culture, girls, girls weekend is Mm -hmm. kind of a girls weekend gone wild. A lot of times, like we just drink a lot on those weekends. I mean, let's start talking about it and what can it look like when alcohol is not involved or not involved to the degree that it's involved now. And I just think it's a really brave conversation for women to be having. Mm. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. And I, I agree. And I think it's so, and I, you know, people have said, wow, you share a lot openly. And I was like, but I wasn't, I wasn't doing anything different than I see around me all the time. Yeah. Maybe it would have been different if I was like blacking out, you know, but I was like, you know, you said, you know, eight drinks a week, which was definitely, and I'm like, eight drinks a week is a heavy drinker, according to like the CDC. Right. That is a which heavy, and I, I learned from you. you did you think you were a heavy drinker? With, you no. Were Wait, right. So, okay. So for the audience listening, so Holly came into our speakeasy and she start work, starts to work on this talk, right. To deliver and, and, and we're working together on that. And she starts, you know, delivering the, these facts and about, you know, mm-hmm. according to the CDC, if you're, if you drink eight times a week, have eight drinks a week, you are considered a heavy drinker. And Holly was using that because you were using that in your talk saying, I was a heavy drinker. Mm-hmm. And when you started sharing that, I'm like, oh my gosh, I was a heavy drinker then, you know, <laughs> yeah. I would have never even used that term. It still gives me a little bit of like a, Ooh, when I call myself a heavy drinker, <laughs> I didn't yeah. think I was right. Cause my idea of a heavy drinker wasn't somebody who was coaching, who was doing good things, who was a good friend who showed up, who, you know, ran half marathons, who did all the, like, that's not what a heavy drinker is. And you stop and you're like, Oh, that's exactly what a heavy drinker, who a heavy drinker can be. You know, I think that's it right there. Just something you just said, and I know you've said it before, but I heard it different this time Um, is when, you know, being a high performer, I I definitely Mm -hmm. raising my hand. I know I'm a high performer. I get it. Mm -hmm. I I, I'm juiced by all that. I love Mm -hmm. for to go after big goals and and all of those things. Right. And you do too. That's Mm -hmm. like you said, I was super successful. I was traveling the world. I'm happily married. Like I've got my life together. Yet there is this thing. (laughs) And I think, you know, to be in full transparency, I grew up with a dad who was Mm. definitely a heavy drinker, Mm -hmm. Um, but I didn't see him. He was successful in some areas, but there were a lot of things about his life that I've always thought, um, you know, that, that got the best of him. Right. Mm -hmm. And my dad's no longer here. And I've Mm -hmm. talked about my dad's journey, but, um, but him being a drinker all his life and, I think that that, in my mind, I associated, oh, a heavy drinker is someone who's not going to be out running marathons. You know, I run two half marathons. They're not going to be like, you know, building these big businesses and they're not going to be, their, their world gets real small and isolated. I think was my, Mm -hmm. my viewpoint having watched my father be a heavy drinker and, you know, not perform at a really high level in a Mm -hmm. lot of, in a lot of ways. 
that's fascinating. Like I, that yeah. just kind of really struck me. I, yeah. And I think that that will strike a lot of people too, is where are we judging, oh, you know, so much oh my gosh, how are we judging others, but not willing to put those same lenses on to look yeah. at our own life and go, well, sister, you're kind of over there, right there doing the same thing. Right. And it may manifest not, different for you. Performing at a higher level. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, for sure. And it's, I, I thank you for kind of drawing attention to that. Cause I think probably a lot of your listeners are like goal driven, you know, people. Sure. and it's like, you can be that and still have a problem. Right. Or how much easier is it going to be when you don't have like alcohol weighing you down? Right. Like right. you're, and, you know, and I always think about too, I always think like, you know, and, you know, in coaching, like how you do one thing is how you do everything. Mm-hmm. So I think that gets a lot of us is like, you're like, well, if I'm going to drink, I'm going to like be a good drinker. Right. I'm going to be social. <laughs> I'm going to like know how to do I'll it. Be a like, high performer. <laughs> people are going to all bring a bottle of wine and I'm going to high perform at that. Right. Like, right. So right. Um, and it's, it's, you know, when you hit the nail on the head is it's like so many people are like, we don't have a problem. Like a lot of friends, right. We're like, no. And it's like, but I do like, it's my problem. And you know, it's so funny because the, the woman I had on my podcast, she talked about, she's like, I hear your story of drinking. And I'm like, that's like nothing. Like that's like kids play. Yeah. She's like, I wish I had that level of drinking. And I was like, and I get it. I was like, but for me, I just knew. Right. And that's why the sober ish, what you, maybe it is one glass of wine a week. Maybe it's never, maybe it's one every six months. Like it doesn't. So it's like anytime we try and put in these buckets of like the problem and the solution, we can like excuse our way out of all those too, right? Like I drink is not as bad as that. I don't need to change. <laughs> yeah. Or like you said, when people start thinking about, you know, ex- experimenting with, you yeah. know, not having alcohol, you know, the question is like, you mean like not ever having it ever mm-hmm. again, right? That question yeah. of not ever having it again, which has been the vernacular that we mm-hmm. receive from the AA side of things. Like the Alcoholics mm-hmm. Anonymous is like, you never have a glass of wine again or a drink again. Right. And then if you do, you have relapsed, right? Like you get, yes. that's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and, and I, I, again, that was an eye opening thing for me when I read the book, Quit Like a yeah. Woman, because that's, it was very exposing as to how, um, you know, AA approaches things. And again, mm-hmm. not to say AA is a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Some people do need to quit. They yeah. need to quit and never have a drink again for sure. Yeah. Right. But this is not the type of people that you're working with. This mm-hmm. is a different journey that people are on that they, they can still have a drink and it not send them into the mm-hmm. tailspin that a true alcoholic right. might send them into. Yeah. I think that's an important distinction, uh, but yeah, but so many people do question that. Like, what do you mean? Like never have a drink again? Mm-hmm. Like they can't even fathom it. Yeah. And I know for me, I didn't even approach it like that. I'm like, I don't, I, I, of course I always say I'm never, I know I never say never about anything. Yeah. I've learned not to ever say never <laughs> uh, because that'll really come back to bite you. But I said, I was never going to live in Texas again. And look, here I am. So, um, <laughs> you know, who knows? It happens. It happens. So, um, you know, what was I going to go with that? Never say never. What was I going to say? I lost not my like thought. the AA of the never, like never drinking again, the, the, how that can be really scary. Oh, when I started my own, you oh, know, yeah. exploration around mm-hmm. this is, I didn't even, I didn't even, I wasn't approaching it. Like Mm -hmm. I am never going to have a drink again. I was just approaching it. Like, what would it look like to not have as many as I'm having now? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like it was a different approach and it was a different end game. Like I wasn't trying to get to some, 
Like I did it. I went a whole year, Mm -hmm. 365 days with no alcohol. I was like, no, I'm just going to like, let's just see what happens tonight by not having a glass of wine with dinner. Like I normally would, I'm just going to have water or I'll make a nice, or I'll make like a mocktail, make it Mm -hmm. like fun in a cute glass, you know, that's it. Like that was literally the approach that I took. And I think that that was, um, in my view, in my experience has been, has been a good way to go about doing it. Cause it kind of gave you that freedom to explore. And like you said, who went, I mean, we commit to our spouse forever, but like forever, you love your kids forever, but like forever is a long time, forever is so a like, long time, you know? And it's, and I, you know, for the AA, I love you. Cause like, I am a huge, I, anybody who needs AA, like there's, I, this is not, these are two separate things. Right. And I know have friends yeah. and family who've gone through AA and it's phenomenal for those who Absolutely. need it. Right. I am. And again, this is not, I know I speak from a place of privilege from being able to kind of like play with it a little. And I, you know, I understand that I have that um, privilege of that, but like, there can't just be one way to like get freedom from alcohol. Like it's just, there can't just be one off. Like it just doesn't work. You know, there's many ways to raise kids, to get married, to start business. Like we, we have all these choices. So it's like, how do we redefine the choice for you? And I wouldn't be here today if I would have said I'm going to be sober forever like I just wouldn't like it would have been too much so like I kind of was like you I was like I'll see what happens and then I was like I love the way I feel when I don't drink yes wow. right and so now I'm going to continue doing it but if you were like or I would have been like okay 30 days on the 31st day I'd drinking if you're just counting down the days until you can drink again yeah. it's probably <laughs> still approaching it the wrong way right yeah, it's, it's like still it's not taking up all it still, your has, energy. It still has some power over you mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I've done that before. Right. Like I'm not gonna drink for 30 days. And the yeah, that was day. your old way of like constantly yeah. doing it. Right. Yeah. And it's never stuck. <laughs> never stuck. Sucks. Yeah. Yeah. I know that you're working on, um, an experiment to take others through yeah. kind of like you did for yourself. Yeah. Um, tell us about the, what you're, what you're planning, what's coming up. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So, um, I'm gonna be launching the Soberish experiment starting February 8th. And, you know, it's going to be 12 weeks. We're going to walk, you know, kind of walk through three phases of not, not even just like why you drink, we'll dive into that. But like, why do you not want to drink anymore? Right. What does your life look like? Right. And build some habits, debunk stories. We've told ourselves about alcohol and then start to step into this new future. Cause I know for me, once I got more clarity, more confidence, stripped away, like all this stuff, I was like, wow, there's so much more I want to do with my life or so much I can do. Right. So kind of walking through. Um, going to be sober for, you know, I think, I think we have about eight weeks and then kind of start that adding it back in if you'd like. So that support and, you know, let's and have fun with it. Right. Um, we're starting February 8th and, you know, when dry January doesn't work for you, you can come do this <laughs> <laughs> because I know when the focus is on not drinking, like we don't make those changes to help us become women that don't want to drink anymore or at the rate they were. Right. So that's what that's really going to be about. Um, 12 weeks, weekly, weekly sessions. It's, I'm really excited. I'm offering a wine back guarantee. Mm. So if you do not feel better, if you do not have some type of transformation, I will buy you a nice $25 bottle of wine. Um, because I know that I know that you will feel so much better and just exploring it from a place of curiosity. Um, especially as like high performing goal set women, like, and if we're curious, what do you have to lose? Right. It's 12 weeks. If you're like, this is dumb, I want to drink, yeah. you can go back. Um, but giving yourself the gift of really listening to that voice that's like, maybe this isn't who I want to be anymore. Yeah. Yeah. There's a voice speaking, mm-hmm. you know, and it's really just leaning in and 
And, yeah. and again, to examine that relationship. So I love that you're, and I love that you're calling it an experiment. You know, mm -hmm. again, it's just like, let's see what happens. You know, that's kind of yeah. how I approached it. Yeah. Let's see what happens. And I have yeah. noticed, I wanted to share with you yeah. that, um, cause I'm, you know, really just throughout the week, just not really having, you know, every once in a while we'll have a glass of wine, but, mm -hmm. um, last week we had just, we had some, we had wine at the house mm -hmm. and at dinner I had a glass of white wine. Mm. And the next morning I had a terrible headache, one glass of wine, yeah. one glass of wine. And I've never really had headaches before. I guess maybe I was drinking so much. I never got a headache, but uh, I don't know what it was, <laughs> it. but I had a really bad headache the next mm. morning. And I'm like, Oh, it's the white wine. It's the white wine. Mm. So the next night I had a glass of red wine thinking, Oh, it's going to be better with red. Yeah, yeah. The next morning had a headache. So I'm like, oh, maybe I'll just go back to like, yeah. I mean, the two glasses of wine that I had that yeah. week, they both gave me a headache. So I haven't had any since then. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just, it is a, it is an interesting journey. It's an experiment, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Like I am continuing to notice how my body is responding, not only to not having alcohol when I choose not to have it, and which is a majority of the time now, mm -hmm. uh, but also like, what does it feel like now that I'm giving my body so much more water, yeah. you know, that I'm properly getting sleep and just mm. some of the other things that I'm mm -hmm. able to do. Cause I have so much more clarity. And I know that's one of the things that you've talked about yeah. is like all these benefits oh my goodness. ended up flooding into your life that you didn't even realize mm. that you were missing out on. Like one was around being anxious. Like mm -hmm. you didn't even, should we talk about that for yeah. a second? Yeah. Like I didn't, like if people were like, are you anxious and stressed? I'd be like, not really like normal type of stuff. But I, I have always thought I was like a little bit of like an edgy personality, like a little uh -huh. bit, just like edgy. Right. And so, uh -huh. um, and anxious, not really. And then like, I quit drinking and I was like, Oh, I was like a lot more anxious than I thought I was like just a little bit of like a simmer of anxiety all the time because, you know, alcohol can stay in our system up to two weeks. So it's like, if you're having a glass every day, it never like truly, even if you never feel drunk, it never leaves your system. Right. And so when it was totally out, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so much more patient. I'm more calm. I still, I think have a little bit of like high strung edginess at times, right? Like that doesn't totally leave, but it was, it was crazy. April, I was like, oh, I don't feel anxious. Like. And I didn't even know it because it was so low key until it was gone. Um, and so I think, you know, there's, I mean, probably unprecedented amount of people walking with anxiety and stress and there are legitimate things, but also I see women that are on met, you know, and also drinking a lot. I'm like, just try it. Like, I promise it'll just like, we it's, and it stinks, right? Cause we we're taught it helps with anxiety and we've built the story in our brain that it helps yeah. us with the anxiety and it may for like a hot bit, right? For a hot minute, you're like, ah, oh. yeah. then it picks it right back up. Right. Right. Um, and that yeah. was fascinating for me to realize. It is I fascinating. Like, I it really I is. <laughs> and that's, you know, one of the things that I, I've, you know, began noticing for myself is like, um, it, you know, oh, why do I want this glass of wine? Oh, it's because I'm stressed out or, mm -hmm. oh, it's because I've got like, I want to calm down. Yeah. I was like, well then go for a walk, you know, like you don't need <laughs> yeah. that for that reason. Yeah. And that has been a big part of my own journey is just exploring that and go, Oh no, that's not, that's not why you get to have one. You know, it's like yeah. dumb. That's so dumb. April. Don't well, like, don't let that be. Well, I mean, so I basic, say that to myself, though, you know, right? Like, like it's such a basic thing. You're like, we are powerful women doing big stuff in the world. And then I'm just going to like, you know, I, I said this in my talk, like we're just going to pass it off because we're like distracted by a $12 bottle of wine. Like, right. No, like there's, you know, and it's, we could, 
there may be patriarchal reasons of the marketing of booze, like all these things. But I'm like, I think for all of women out there, like we're so much stronger and better than that glass of wine for we those are. purposes. Right. We are. We are. We are. Like, and Absolutely. It's, um, That's why I love your message you. so much. You know, we are so much better than a $12 bottle of wine. Right. That's it. Yeah. And we need to explore it. You know, yeah. we need to lean in. So, um, I love what you're doing. Um, everyone needs to check out Holly's work. Definitely check out her podcast, Soberish Uprising. Um, your website's the same yeah. by the same name, Soberish right? Uprising.com. Soberish Uprising.com. Um, go check out her Soberish Experiment. If you'd like to get in on yeah. the one that's coming up on February 8th, or if you're here listening, then I'm sure she'll have another one coming up yes. after that. So you can go check out the next one that'll be listed on her website as well. Connect with her online. Um, Holly Crevo will link up everything in our show notes, you know, and at the end of the day, this is, this is truly one of those inside stories that a lot of us are not mm. talking about. Yeah. And yeah. it's been an inside story for me. Mm. Um, it's been an inside story for Holly. And now it's yeah. very much an outside story for you because you are making this, um, really your, your platform, mm -hmm. which I applaud you for, mm. for pivoting the way you have over the last couple of years yeah. to go all in on this, on this mm. so soberish mm -hmm. message. It's an important one. Um, and it's, it's something that I think will really help a lot of people. So mm. thanks for being with me today. Yeah. Thank you. And thank you for sharing pieces of your story too. Um, Absolutely. That it, it takes all of us just sharing a little bit. So we know we're not alone and thanks for the work that you do. So thank you. appreciate it. All right, everybody go out there and have a great day. We'll see you back here next week for another um, great episode of the inside story. Go share your story in the meantime, and I'll see you back here next time. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Don't forget to give it a review and share this broadcast out with your friends and family. Now, did listening to this episode make you think more about your own story? Are you wondering which parts of your own story are relevant to share with others? This is the question I get asked more than any other. How do I share my story? Which parts of my story are worth sharing with other people? How can I make my story relatable so that others can benefit from it? I've taken my simple process that I've used for years as a journalist and broken it down into a three-part storytelling formula that will help you discover the key components of your own story and how to share it. It's a free resource I've created to help you become a light beamer by sharing your story. Simply go to www.lightbeamers.com and click on the big yellow button on the homepage to download your story formula. I'd love to hear your story too. So be sure to join my free community on Facebook, the Light Beamers community, and share your story with me. I can't wait to learn more about you and the story that's inside of you. In the meantime, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you can get notified when our next broadcast is live. You will want to stay tuned to the stories we are lining up for you next. I promise they are so good. As always, Light Beamers, I'm over here cheering for you. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.